Williams is Pennsylvania Director of Americans for Fair Treatment. A 20-year veteran of the public schools, Keith is now helping public servants from teachers and first responders to exercise their rights to join or not join a government union. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs, and I am in downtown Harrisburg today with my guest, uh, Keith Williams, a uh, longtime public school teacher and new Pennsylvania State Director of Americans for Fair Treatment. Uh, Keith, welcome to Brews and Views. Welcome, Matt. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in your office enjoying a cup of coffee, so I uh, appreciate uh, uh, the opportunity for us to sit down. And I know Americans for Fair Treatment, its uh, mission, I have it in front of me, uh, educating, equipping, and empowering teachers, first responders, and other public servants to receive fair treatment from government unions. Now, uh, before we talk about your new role with Americans for Fair Treatment and its mission here, uh, I know the reason that you're here uh, is predominantly because you were treated unfairly uh, by the state's uh, largest teacher union, the Pennsylvania State Education Association, uh, many years ago. And that, right. uh, that's why you've decided to leave the classroom and for a much more, uh, uh, sometimes more juvenile classroom, that is, of, of politics. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, tell your story, Keith, about um, how you were treated unfairly, and then we'll get to the role that you are now playing today in trying to help uh, other public servants, teachers, first responders, um, uh, get, exercise their rights as public employees. Right. Well, let's, uh, I guess, back up a little bit, you know, since the the name of the organization is Americans for Fair Treatment. The word fairness to me always, you know, I imagine some kid stomping his feet around going, that's not fair. <laughs> so, you know, the idea of fairness, um, I guess just to clarify, what we're really talking about is leveling the playing field. Um, you know, it, public sector unions have enjoyed a, uh, they've, they've been able to play king of the hill for a long time um, to the point where it's really not a level playing field. And I, to be completely honest with you, you know, I was a high school English teacher for um, 18 years in the Conewago Valley School District, 21 years total. I did three years of substituting in the Lancaster area. Um, but I was kind of, you know, truthfully, I was a little bit indifferent to a lot of that stuff. I'd never been a union member except for my first year of teaching, um, which we can get into um, as well. But um, I really, I won't say I was indifferent, but... I guess I was unaware of so the power at, that at they Conewago, had. which is in Adams County, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, Conewago, yep. uh, you had the PSEA there, but they didn't have something called fair share for a long part of your uh, teaching tenure. And fair share says that uh, if you don't want to be a union member, you still have to pay hundreds of dollars for the exclusive representation offered. Well, I guess forced on you forced on by you. Uh, the PSEA. And so that, uh, for many, many years, I, what was it, eight, 18 years, you say, that, um, or 15 years or so, I guess? Right. Well, I, I, I taught at New Oxford. Uh, I started in 2000, 2001. And prior to that, um, even the idea of agency shop fees or fair share fees, as the union calls them, um, that didn't exist in our district. And there's still several districts across Pennsylvania where they didn't exist, but so those were basically, few and far between. Yeah, so it basically allowed the union was present, 
uh, but uh, they only got money from those who wanted to be union members. Correct. Those who did not want to be union members didn't have to pay a red cent uh, to the union. Right. Uh, but something changed in your district after many right. years of having this, uh, you know, side-by-side relationship that the mm-hmm. union was there. Uh, they represented you because they had have negotiated exclusive representation. You couldn't bring in uh, the Keith Williams Union uh, right. to represent, I think, 40-some-odd teachers that mm-hmm. were non-union uh, teachers in the school district. Um, so you were, it was a status quo of, hey, the union's there, we're here, we respect one another, but uh, something changed. Right, yeah, and um, I think it's important to note, too, you know, usually when you're talking to a teacher about the union, teachers typically associate the union with their local. So, you know, in, in saying all of this, a lot of the push really came from the PSEA and maybe three or four more, I'll say, more militant um, local union members, um, the, the larger body, the, the general um, collective bargaining unit really wasn't necessarily in support of these fair share fees, and that's why we didn't have them. Um, in 2013, the school board approached the union about renegotiating the remaining two years of the contract. The union said, sure, we'll open it up uh, to renegotiation. Well, at that point, it was also going into an election year, gubernatorial election, and um, PSEA was obviously pushing for the last remaining open shop districts, those that didn't charge non-union members fees, um, to do away with that policy. They wanted all the money they could get. Um, and there's that, you know, again, that inevitable sense of entitlement you get among public sector unions. Um, they and felt this, of course, the 14 election was Corbett versus Wolf. Versus uh, Wolf, yep. And because of recent um, or previously recent uh, uh, Supreme Court rulings, 100% of union money could be t- deployed for political purposes. Citizens United was allowing even collective bargaining money to be deployed for political purposes. It couldn't be given directly to a candidate, but it could advocate for a candidate, could advocate against a candidate. Sure. So, so you're seeing that the PSEA is trying to get all the money that it can sure. in advance of that election, and it's coming to your district saying, all right, we need to start collecting yeah. hundreds of dollars. Here's an uh, opportunity yeah. for, hun- well, yeah. hundreds of dollars. Gosh, it was, uh, you know, you're talking over 40 teachers. They were, with the stroke of a pen, looking to get over $20,000 um, from that year forward. In just by negotiating into the contract, sure. fair share. Just, right, yeah. agency So-called, shop fees. I don't, right, yeah. I don't like calling them yeah. fair share. It's fees, unfair but, share, actually. Yeah, but. it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's extortion. But uh, we, uh, basically, the the, uh, the short story of it all is um, we got an email. Those of us who are non-union members got an email from the union president. Um, I'm sure she's going to do a face palm when she hears this story over and over again. But uh, she sent an email to all of us, um, informing us that we would then, at that time, it was $435 each that we would owe to the union, um, and that was going to be deducted directly from our paychecks without us ever seeing or touching it, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, we've talked paycheck protection. I testified on on that back in 2014 as well. Um, that's a whole separate issue, but uh, we were basically informed that we would have that money deducted straight from our paychecks, um, effective immediately. Um, and her mistake in that was she didn't blind copy us, she carbon copied us. So 
I hit reply all and thus began my career as a freedom fighter. And uh, and you weren't aware of how many uh, non-union teachers there were at that time? Sure. So that's, you, okay. I mean, that's their advantage, right? Yeah. They they get to know those things as, as a union. They have that unique privilege uh-huh. of knowing who's a member and who isn't. And um, in that moment of, you know, a, a slip of technology... Um, she united uh, the, all the of the non-union teachers. To, exactly. We got to see who was uh, who was on board and who was rank and file and who was not. And um, I just I basically replied with a uh, a short email that's probably not entirely appropriate for our present company and uh, informed her that that would not be happening and that we would be pushing back against that. So. Well, I know fast-forwarding, you guys uh, as teachers were able to push back. It was removed from the contract ultimately, so you restored that balance. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to take too much credit. I mean, you know, credit where credit's due. A lot of that, too, I think went to the the local. And when our colleagues realized what they had done, because they're, you know, they're not all – most people aren't as politically active as, you know, your listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of apathy um, and just a lot of ignorance out there. And, you know, most teachers, when they voted for this contract, didn't really understand what those agency shop fees meant. And they got educated very quickly um, and realized, yeah, okay, we just basically, by force, took money from our colleagues who are now supporting a political agenda they don't agree with. And, you know, I have colleagues who were Bernie Sanders supporters and Hillary Clinton supporters, and they were horrified when they realized what they had done. Mm -hmm. And in the subsequent contract, they said, you know what? We're not comfortable with this and with the pushback that the uh, the union received, and they voted it out of the contract. So that's yeah, the first and time I think that ever happened. You, you mentioned ignorance. I think a lot of it is rational ignorance, right, because right. everything else that's going on. And I know as a former teacher, uh, I wasn't paying all that close attention to some of the politics in the school, let alone the district or the, or the state. Um, I didn't have time for that. I was focused on my classroom. Right. So it's a rational ignorance of like, look, this— doesn't uh-huh. impact my life that much. But of course, when you have, uh, I think, $450 being extracted, then you start to yeah. pay attention. I think, Keith, one of the things that a lot of teachers don't realize is when they, uh, you mentioned this earlier, they think of their union. They think of the Conewago Valley Education Association, assuming that's the name. Uh-huh. Um, they don't think of necessarily PSEA and NEA. Yet, uh, what you found out was that the overwhelming majority of money is actually going to support the state and national union, not your local people negotiating the contractor who are there daily uh, as your union representatives. Talk yeah, about that. That, that uh, I guess, you know, in the four months that I've gotten into this, that's been kind of a wake-up call for me as well, just looking at the data, looking at how the dues are broken down. I mean, teachers, again, we don't, we don't get into this stuff. I mean, we're too busy – you know, writing lesson plans, grading papers, doing all the stuff that teachers do on a daily basis. And when I realized, looking at our union dues um, at Conewago Valley in 2016-17, of that $734, only 30 of it went to the local. The remaining $704 went to the state and national. Now, the majority, you could look at it and say, well, 520-something went to the state and the remainder to NEA. But then what what happens is you look at the um, the LM2, the document that... The, the union files that, with the federal right, government. Right, yep. their, their IRS documents. If you look at that, they then cut a huge check to the NEA. So even if you look at your dues breakdown and, and you know, sort of rationalize and say, well, my money's at least not going to the national, it's going to the, to the state. Well, that's not even necessarily true yeah. because the state's cutting a huge check 
to the national. Um, and then on top of all that, one of the main reasons teachers will, will join the union in the first place, myself included in my first year of teaching, they're really, they're interested in the protection. They're mm-hmm. sold on the idea, idea that they need protection. And if you look at the NEA's liability policies, um, that liability policy doesn't really do anything for you that the school district doesn't already do anyway. It's, a, it's an yeah, umbrella the, policy. The, yeah, the, the, you, the school district actually has an umbrella policy that would cover you Correct. for many things, of course. Now, if you do intend to commit a crime or something against a student or something, yeah, I suppose you do need the union uh, protection for that type of uh, behavior. Right. Um, so you might want to pay for that. Right. <laughs> but it's it's funny, though, because even even that liability insurance policy, that that doesn't kick in unless the district's general and professional liability policies, whichever, you know, whichever applies uh-huh. here, that wouldn't kick in until the district's policies are exhausted. So it's always sort of subservient to the district's policy. So there's that argument that, well, the district's insurance, you know, they're, they're out for themselves and they're going to protect themselves before they'll protect you. Well, the and, reality is if you do something yeah. so egregious that the district's policy isn't going to cover you, Union's not going to touch yeah. you either. So, and how much of your union dues are going for uh, the liability insurance? From what we can, and this is this is insane. So, if if you take out what they pay um, for that policy for that group liability policy, and you break it down per member, they're paying less than four dollars per person for that liability insurance. Now, if you think think about that from an actuarial standpoint, right? I mean, I'm an English teacher, but I'm thinking, trying to think like an actuarial scientist now. If you can charge people $4, I'll even round it up. So and even $4 for a million dollars of liability insurance, what is the likelihood you as an insurance company are going to get called on that million dollars? I mean, I'm still making money, right? Yeah. So Right, it's, right. You're better off buying, I mean, buy lottery tickets. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, Keith, what uh, caused you to decide to leave the classroom and join Americans for Fair Treatment um, was the opportunity uh, that presented itself with the uh, Janus v. AFSME uh, Supreme Court case that uh, uh, was uh, handed down in June of, of 2018 uh, that reversed a, a precedent from Abood versus Detroit Board of Education from the 1970s. Uh, we won't get into because neither of us are lawyers, so we won't we won't get into. <laughs> Thank you. But this yeah, but this was a very important ruling that has now opened the doors for a lot of uh, public servants, teachers, first responders, to uh, uh, exercise their First Amendment rights, which is what this case was about. Essentially, saying that uh, public employees like yourself when you were forced to be a you know a an agency shop pair i won't use fair share because mm-hmm. it was the unfair <laughs> share um that basically that was a violation of your first amendment rights and so the supreme court handed this down uh basically freeing every public employee from being compelled to pay a union to just to keep their job because i think when they hand, put in the agency shop in your school district collective bargaining, if you refused to pay that, uh, they would have had to fired you, right? right you would right. have been you would have been terminated because you said, I'm not going to give 450 bucks to this private entity that is, does a politics right. that I disagree, right? Exactly. So, so basically, uh, Janice, uh, Mark Janice, uh, was the uh, public employee in Illinois, uh, sued, asked me on his First Amendment grounds, uh, mm-hmm. saying that when you take a single dollar from me, you are violating my First Amendment rights, uh, freedom of speech, the ability to support 
something political uh, that I like or don't like. And when you force me, I'm being denied those First Amendment right. rights. Right. Well, and, and those fair share fees, that was not full dues, but it was roughly 80% of full dues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the grounds then for that 80% was, well, this is the 80% is, you know, basically that goes to representational yeah. activities. Just collective bargaining. Right. It's not the political yet, which right. the court said that's baloney. So, so <laughs> even that, which cracks me up because a lot of the argument you hear from, you know, people who are in such, you know, adamant support of public sector unions, one of the arguments they'll use all the time is, well, dues can't be used for politics, right? Right. Well, okay, so if dues can't be used for politics and I'm paying 80% of full union dues – under the grounds that that 80% is representational activities, what's the remaining 20%? Right? Right. I mean, it's, you know, the fact that fair share fees, that agency shop fees existed in the first place is basically speaking to the fact that dues can be used well, for politics. And, and we've been pointing that out for a long time in Pennsylvania, that dues were used for politics, whether it was advocating, as we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, for Tom Wolf's election. That was union dues money. That wasn't uh, PAC money. These were union dues money, and they could have easy, uh, ha- also have been non-union members' dues money, right. those uh, agency shop fees, because right. the union is permitted to expend all of those monies on political activity. It just can't give it directly to a candidate for office. That's that's the nuance there that the unions want to try to obfuscate this right. is, is saying, we don't use it for politics. We don't give it to politicians. Well, that is true. But you do everything sure. else. Well, I've got <laughs> pictures. You know, I took pictures of the union bulletin boards while I was still teaching at New Oxford that year that we went fair share. Um, I took pictures of the union bulletin boards that were in, in one case, in a public area, students were walking past. Um, it was right in front of a copier machine. Um, and it had, you know, vote for Tom Wolf, big, you know, big uh, poster wow. right there on the union bulletin board. You know, so <laughs> that blatant. It's, it's yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Well, so um, the significance of Janus um, is important because um, allowing public employees to join or not join, to pay or not pay, a union um, is important for, uh, well, people's First Amendment rights, obviously, uh, that public employees can now exercise that, which they were not able to uh, mm-hmm. prior to this uh, ruling. Um, is this, uh, th- what, what did, you know, uh, I'll guess I'll ask it this way. Um, did Janice take away any workers' rights that they had prior to that? I mean, were are workers denied any rights as a result of the Janus ruling? Not at all. Um, now, the narrative you'll hear, you know, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the unions say, oh, unions. this is anti-workers, this is anti-union. Right. Uh, but you're saying that, that Janus did not take away a single collective bargaining no. right? What about any other rights that, that public employees enjoy prior to Janus? Did it yeah, take away I've, any rights? I have put it out there in public. I mean, we've, you know, reached out on social media, you know, hey, tell us one individual right that the Janus ruling has taken away. And I've, you know, directed that to PSEA, to, uh-huh. you know, to the public sector unions directly. Crickets. Yeah. You know, there's, well, yeah. there are no there are no individual rights that have been removed. In fact, this has basically given people freedom of association. Mm-hmm. Um, the only right that has been denied is the right of a private organization like the PSEA, the PFT, you know, Pennsylvania Federation of Teachers, the union bosses effectively 
uh, right. took away their right to force a teacher like you, who didn't want to be a part of the union, who didn't ask for union representation. It took away their, quote-unquote, right to force you to pay money yeah. just to keep their, your job. Their privilege. That's the only right that was yeah. taken away, right? It took away their privilege. Yeah. Yes. Their, well, their, their political, financial, legal privilege that nobody sure. else enjoys. I mean, I, I, I suspect, given the school district you were in, there are probably a, a number of teachers who were NRA members. There were more than a few. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. So let, let's assume that. Um, I, I like to use this example. Let's say that the NRA came to the school board at Conewago and said, hey, all of these teachers that are our members, we would like for you to automatically deduct our annual dues and our political action money out of teachers' paychecks. Uh, in fact, they've agreed to this. Um, we would like you to collect that for us and then just send that to our offices in Virginia. Uh, how do you think your school board would respond to that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. It's the same idea. Yeah. Well, um, so if the NRA can't do it, why should the NEA uh, be able to do that very thing? And yet this is why it's not about taking away uh, power or um, denying unions the ability to operate. It's just saying you got to play by the same rules and level playing field. The NRA can't force any teachers to join their association. The NEA shouldn't be able to do so sure, either. Sure, exactly. And that's where, you know, you'll hear these accusations of, um, you know, us being anti-union or lots of lots of those doom and gloom type ideas that you hear coming out of uh, coming out of the public sector union messages. Um the reality is this is about worker freedom. I mean, this really isn't about um, attacking anyone in particular. This is about being accountable to your members, right? How can you be accountable to your members if you can extort dues from your members? You know, if you're the only game in town, if I'm the only, if I'm the only pizza shop in town, yeah, I don't have to sell good pizza, do I? I mean, no. If you, if you, you want get, pizza, you you come to the only right. pizza shop, and that's where I think you know one of the things that um, we have to admit: this could actually make unions uh, stronger and better. Um, but but how would it? Why would it do that, Keith? It would do that simply because right now they've uh, largely gotten away from their core message of worker advocacy in in the specific areas that they represent. So the fact that, you know, PSEA is out doling out millions of dollars to political candidates that their own members don't necessarily support um, or agendas that they don't necessarily support, um, this is going to cause them to take a hard look at themselves, or it should. Because um, now now teachers and public servants don't have to join the union and support their political right. agenda. Um, they will actually have to start to uh, look to the members' wants and needs rather than the union bosses. All right, so so Janice happens in June. Um, what do we know about public employees and their knowledge of their newfound Janice rights, uh, that they don't have to be a member of the union as a condition of employment? Uh, are are you know, the public school teachers in Pennsylvania, which we've got, I don't know, probably uh, 200,000 of them or so, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Yep. Um, are, are they, and all state workers, are they aware now of their Janus rights? More and more are. Um, there's still a lot of people who are not fully aware or don't fully understand, and that's... You mean the union isn't telling them that they don't have to uh, be members anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not no. happening, no. Again, that's not in their best interest, right? I mean, it's it's not in their interest to inform people of their rights, um, and that's why there's legislation out there right now to require employers to inform people of their rights. Yeah, so talking about... So uh, right now, yeah. uh, in Pennsylvania state law, 
we still have uh, a statute that allows for uh, this practice to continue, that unions can collect uh, agency shop fees right. from non-union members. Right. Um, does that need to be cleaned up legislatively? Yeah, that's still on the state books, and that's one of the you know, one of the points that we're making is, look, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled that it's it's unconstitutional, um, but yet it's still on our books here in the state. Now it's, you know, the, the unions obviously want to keep it on the books. They're trying to say, hey, look, it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. and just kind of downplay it. But the reality is it does matter. Um, if at some point, you know, someone were to, to uh, challenge that again on the federal level, um, it could very easily be reinstituted here in Pennsylvania. Um, so it absolutely is important that we clean up the books to, to reflect the current ruling. So, so let's say uh, I'm, I'm a, a union member right now that mm-hmm. I was one of those teachers or state workers that said, you know, uh, being a fair share, you know, agency shop pay, uh, payer means uh, I get a reduction of, you know, 20%. But then I'm put on a list as being, you know, not a union guy and, and you know, uh, because they know this, right? Sure. Uh, yep. uh, it might hinder my opportunities uh, for advancement or relationships, whatever. But they look at, they go, you know what? Um, saving 20% wasn't worth becoming a non-union member, but saving 100% and not agreeing with where the union's going does make a lot of sense. Um, what uh, Can that person just resign right now and stop having the union uh, deduct, you know, what, 100 bucks out of a, you know, a monthly paycheck, something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, can they resign right now and start recovering those monies that uh, the yeah. union was taking? So, so I can, you know, speaking to our own district, and that's one of the moves, I guess one of the, the rationales behind those fair share fees that the union pushed was, look, if we force people to pay 80%, we know that we're going to get a, a percentage of them who are just going to roll. They're going to throw their hands up and say, hey, well, if I got to pay 80% and I still don't have representational yeah, rights, I don't get a I still vote. don't get I don't the get vote. vote. Yep. You know, I don't get to know what's going on behind closed doors. Oh, and I don't get invited to the union picnic at the end of the school year, whatever that is. With all right? my colleagues, right? right. I mean, you there's know, just a there's, collegial thing. Right. About there's it, a yeah. little bit of, you know, you get, you get ostracized a little bit for that. Um, a lot of people would just cave and say, well, I'll pay the extra 20% so that I know what's going on. Yep. I think their fear now, when I say they, PSEA's fear, is they recognize that they had a lot of members who were on board simply because people understood it was 80% or 100%. Well, now it's 100% or, or zero. zero. Percent, yeah. So, yeah, hello, good morning. Now you actually do have to listen to your members, and you actually do have to um, – hold yourselves accountable. And if you're not going to hold yourself accountable, then yeah, people are going to leave so, and you do have a reason to So to let's concerned. say I'm a teacher um, and my school district just passed a, a new contract this summer uh, for a four-year. Um, I had been a union member, but I'm, I learn of my Janus rights uh, today. Can I, as a teacher, go resign my union membership and then stop collecting my money? In theory, yes. Okay. Except we but, have a thing in Pennsylvania called maintenance of membership. Okay. And if you talk about another convoluted and uh, I'll say telling statement of union intentions, um, you can't, joining is easy, right? And they've made it really difficult for people to get out. It's not just simply get in, get out. It's get in any time. But oh, by the way, if you want to get out, now you've got this maintenance of membership window, which is um, unique to certain states, not all. But in Pennsylvania, it's a 15-day window prior to the end of an existing contract. So 
for a lot of school districts, the majority of school districts in Pennsylvania, if you want to leave the union, there's a little provision in there that says you can only get out within a 15-day window prior to the end of that contract. If your contract is over, say you just got a new contract this year, your contract's over in four years, well, arguably, you could be stuck. So, yeah, so you're saying that I, as a teacher, in my hypothetical situation, I may not be able to get out until the end of the contract in 2022. Right. Uh, so so in, th- in, in theory, you say that, that uh, you can get out. But in practice, because we have current law, uh, we're going to trap public employees in the union Right. For, you know, sometimes four years before they can actually exercise their Janus right. Is there something to fix that? Is there something being, uh, you know, considered to say, hey, when you want to get out of the union, you have the right to exercise your First Amendment rights no matter when you decide to do that. You don't have to wait for the union timetable or what had been Mm -hmm. negotiated. Um, Is that another fix that's being considered? That is another fix that's being considered. Obviously, exercising your First Amendment rights to freedom of association shouldn't be limited to a 15-day window prior to the end of a four-year contract. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I don't know that. But if I could, let's say I came in, I could get into the union at any time I wanted, right? right. They, they'd start collecting my money. Sure. But they're saying, oh, you can come in at any time, but you can't leave Ho- when a Hotel, Hotel California. California. There we go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> looking for the analogy. Yeah. So so um, if a person does resign, do they lose their benefits? Uh, are they now no longer going to have, you know, the health coverage and pension and, and salary? What, what happens with your, your, you know, what do you lose as a result of saying, I'm not going to be part of the union? The faculty picnic. Okay. You the, mean the, the, the union the picnic? The union picnic, yeah, the right. Union picnic. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really that the extent of it. That you used to pay for. Right. Oh, oh. and that, that 18% <laughs> Verizon discount, I think, that you, you'll lose too, um, which, by the way, as a teacher— a lot of those discounts you get anyway as a teacher, so they'll they'll sell you on oh you get this union you know you get this special discount from Verizon as, yeah. a, as a union member. You can walk in any Verizon store as a teacher, show them your pay stub, you get the discount yeah. anyway. I mean, yeah. it's just the sales job is is incredible. Um, and yeah, you don't lose your benefits, you don't lose your pension, you don't lose any of your sick time, you don't lose you know any of that stuff. To hear to hear the union reps talk, you know, puppies would die if we didn't have, you know, the power that exists right now in public sector unions. And you already it's, said you don't lose your liability no, coverage. These nothing, things are all there. Nothing. So, so um, have you had teachers, uh, public servants coming to you saying, hey, Keith, help me exercise my Janus rights. I'm a union member. I want to get out. And yeah. what, what's happened? Yeah, we've had a lot of people um, reaching out to us with questions, with concerns about that maintenance of membership window. Um, now, if you were to leave PSEA, um, you know, one of the things that you would lose would be that, that, um, liability coverage. Now there's other organizations offered out by there, the union, offered by the yeah. union, right? So it's on top of what the, right. the school you'd, district you'd lose, provides. you would lose that umbrella policy, that $4 policy, which we talked about, you know, a million dollars in coverage for $4, yep. right? Like yep. how, what's the likelihood you're going to get called on it? A lot of teachers feel that that's important, um, you know, regardless of how you, rationalize it. Um, But there are other organizations out there, Association of American Educators, um, locally, the Keystone Teachers Association, um, that sell liability protection. They'll give you $2 million of coverage. It's, um, I know AAE's policy is better written coverage than what NEA has. Um, And what what would that cost you if you're a teacher that wants that? That would cost you $198 a year um, for AAE membership. And, you know, again, it's twice the coverage. So 
there, there, there are viable alternatives that are, there are, that are a fraction of the cost. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So what about teachers that say, look, um, I want to be in a union. I just don't like the politics of the state and national where the vast yeah. majority of my money is going. Are there alternatives for that so that teachers say, hey, let's just collectively bargain at the local level, right. get rid of PSEA, NEA, and just have the Conewago Valley yeah. you know, yeah. Education That's, Association? That is a... That is an awesome idea. Um, you know, despite the accusations you'll hear from PSEA out there, um, I still think there's definitely there's definitely validity um, and a lot to be said for. Um, it's a market, right? For these I mean, local yeah, only unions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, how awesome would it be to have? You know, we talk about buy local, right? I mean, there's a big buy local movement. Yeah. Why is there a big buy local movement? Because we recognize that you know there's a disconnect between once. I don't think any. I'm going to back up a little bit. I don't think any anybody would recognize the state, you know, what's going on here in Harrisburg or federally, that they have any clue of what goes on in a teacher's classroom. Um, there's a disconnect. We recognize there's an inherent disconnect the further you move up in government. Right. I don't think that is any different in a union. You know, the disconnect becomes greater and greater the further up the chain you go. And so to argue that, you know, we need this state and this this federal, this PSEA, this NEA heavily involved in sucking up, you know, 80 percent of our dues, 90 percent of our dues. Um, you know, I think most teachers recognize that their local is where it really happens. Yeah. But that's right now. Um, and is that a viable possibility right now? Can teachers exercise that? They would obviously they'd have to decertify. The right. existing reunion, which is a very arduous, difficult right. process because we don't have recertification uh, votes. I right. mean, once the union's in, it's pretty much in forever. Right. To, to remove them is very, very difficult. Right. Um, but is that a viable? I mean, can teachers exercise that right today? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So That's... it's going to, but it's going to take some, uh, uh, you know, uh, some hard work. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of yeah. education of for of it takes. College. Right. I mean, obviously, you've got a multi-million-dollar organization sitting right across the street who uh, they're going to do everything in their power to preserve their six-figure paychecks and you know their twelve million-dollar building that they're sitting in over there, and you know it's a it's a monolithic organization that's that's intent on surviving well and geared towards politics we see it sure. uh, as uh, we sit here uh, campaign finance reports are coming out and uh, we see who the big donors are yeah. uh, it's the public sector unions um, and that's because they have the power to collect money um, both uh, for independent expenditures and to pack money taxpayers help uh, collect all of that of course mm -hmm. uh, today um, <laughs> yep. we'll see if we uh, balance or level the playing field uh, as you've said. Um, now, Keith, um, to, to wrap things up, um, for anybody that either is a teacher, public servant, um, or knows somebody that wants to learn more about uh, their Janus rights, how they could exercise them, uh, where would you point them and, and how can they get in touch with you? In addition to our AmericansForFairTreatment.org site, we've got FreeToTeach.org, which is specific to teachers. We've got a lot of information on there about um, general teacher concerns. So, you know, where do you, where does your dues money go? Um, questions about liability insurance, those types of things. And of course, to get in touch with you, yep. AmericansForFairTreatment.org. Yep. So, well, Keith uh, Williams, uh, Pennsylvania State Director for Americans for Fair Treatment. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, best wishes with your 
uh, efforts to help educate, equip, and empower our public servants. Uh, thanks for joining me on Brews and Views. Thank you, Matt. It's been a good time. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. Thank you.